0: North Richmond Community Health Podcast. I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording this podcast, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. This episode marks 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. I have invited two experts in this field, counsellors Hamza Johnson and Zahra Abdurrahman, who will be discussing amongst themselves the role of culture in addressing gender-based violence. So they'll talk about how cultural backgrounds can influence perceptions of abuse and how to have culturally sensitive interventions in counselling services. And as well as suggesting the types of policy changes that can helps solve the challenges faced by many migrant and refugee women who want to access support. So I'll leave it now to Hamza to present this podcast. Good afternoon. My name is Hamza.
1: I am the Family Violence Casework counsellor at North Richmond Community Health. I'm here on this podcast with an old friend of mine, Zahra, and I'll let Zahra introduce herself.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Zahra and I'm a family violence caseworker. And I work with women from different cultural backgrounds, but specifically now I work with Muslim women who are victims of family violence. And in the family violence, caseworker is, case is someone who assists uh, victims of family violence um, in safety planning, uh, case management, and achieving goals.
1: I thought maybe we could just start with a few questions, and then we'll open up the questions for a bit more of a discussion between us two, because... We've been in the sector for a while, so we've seen a lot of different things and how family violence can present in different ways for different communities and different people. So Zara, what do you think is family violence and or intimate partner violence? How can it present?
2: So, family violence is a behavior by a person towards a family member of that person that's physically, emotionally, psychologically, or economically abusive, or is threatening and coercive and causes that family member to feel fear. But if you're going to discuss more specifically in relation to migrant women and spe- specifically Muslim women where I'm working with, they can experience all of the above forms in addition to spiritual or religious abuse, visa abuse, denial of re- religious divorce as a form of abuse, and forced marriage are all considered family violence.
1: Yeah, and it's hard sometimes for women from migrant backgrounds to really understand what family violence is. How do we do you have any ideas of how we can? take a bit of a different approach so that they can tell us what it's like?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. and Because many women, when they access services, they don't even realize that it's what's happening in their life is family violence because that could be a norm in many cultures, mm-hmm. you know, and they do normalize it. They don't know that's 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 fine that's okay especially when it comes to sexual abuse uh, it has been normalized as long as you are married it's you know you don't you know that mean they don't need consent but so we do explain to them that in here in Australia it's mm-hmm. illegal so mm-hmm. whether it's um, financial whether it's economical whether it's physical or mm-hmm. psychological abuse or sexual abuse sexual abuse could be sex without your concern, this Mm. all is illegal and we do explain to them their option, Mm -hmm. you know, what's available in here if they decide to leave the relationship or if they decide to stay in the relationship, you know, what's the option? How Mm. come they can be kept, you know, safe and stay safe with their families? So we have to unpack what's family Mm -hmm. violence in here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And... I think that's the most important thing is that we recognize that it presents itself in a different way for different communities. And it's just being really working with them, isn't it? It's just working with them where they want, what they want to achieve. Yes. And the first part is, I guess, awareness. Yeah, awareness.
2: Yeah. And at the end of the uh, day, the woman should have agency. Yeah. Should have a voice with she want to stay or does she want to leave? it's up to her but at least she knows what's her rights in here.
1: In terms of other ways that family violence can present itself, say someone you know we've got someone who's a bit older who comes to you that says my children don't want me to live with them anymore. you know that's a kind of common occurrence now. Is there anything that you think do you see it as a way to open up the discussion for them as well?
2: Yeah, even though it's underreported, especially in the migrant community, it doesn't mean that it's not happening. It's yes. happening, but most of the time there is a stigma in the society, so they don't disclose it. That's what's happening in my in my household. So w- it's good if you can explain to them any type of mistreatment mm. or you know harmful action that can cause distress is family violence in here, regardless if it happened from your son or daughter, you know, they they have a right to stay safe and Mm. live safely. So you explain them that what's happening is family violence.
1: That's the main part of it is to work with them and to try and like meet them where they're at. Yes. And I guess when we're working with people in the community, that would be the most important thing. What about if like a woman comes to you but actually doesn't want to leave the husband, her partner, but really wants help changing his behavior? Do you feel like that's a common theme that we see as well? Yeah, it it
2: is very common. It's very common because for many women...
1: Too many barriers,
2: that's not an option for them just to go to live, especially for migrant women. Mm-hmm. They might have uh, many unseen barriers. Mm-hmm. One of them could be language, one of them could be an income, and uh, even having access to transport. So, we can't we need to be um, non judgmental mm-hmm. when we discuss uh, with this woman what their need is, mm-hmm. and it, she's an expert in her own in her own life so whether she want to stay or leave our role as family violence workers should be to give them to explain to them what's her right and mm-hmm. option mm-hmm. whether she want to leave or stay and give her that agency whether she want to leave or stay but as i say if she say that you know i want to stay mm-hmm. i want to change him we need to give her that safe space and psychoeducation of family mm-hmm. violence And also see if there is a room for change, Mm -hmm. because sometimes uh, it's good to understand that person's uh, perspective as well, his background, his Mm -hmm. past experience. And if he's willing to change, uh, make the relationship successful, we need to give them that opportunity Mm -hmm. to amend it. And so I have seen many men that have attended men's behavior Mm -hmm. change program. they. you know they address the family violence and they try to change. They can't change, even though sometimes violence is is a choice. Yes, yeah. Uh, but still, if there is a room to change, we can assist them to stay in the relationship, but doing it in a safer way. As yeah. long as she feels safe and the kids uh, are safe, she can she can do it safely.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And I I've seen a lot of change in men as well uh, when they engage in. It's a process, but I think yeah, it it, it is totally possible. It's great that you, yes, you are. Yeah. Um, it's a
2: process. And also it depends on the willingness of that person yeah. to change. So. Yeah.
1: I think there's another part of it is that the community can sometimes be helpful and sometimes can feel like they're putting pressure on on women or on clients to somehow stay in relationships have you found that in your experience with some of the people that you've worked with
2: Prager. yeah yes yeah yeah community pressure is I think it's one of the biggest challenges in many women because many women uh, especially migrant women They don't have family members in here, and they are new to the system, so they don't want to be isolated. So that person may be the only person that that they know, and also the community have MEs or... You know, stigmas towards single women or divorced women. So there is a lot of pressure of Mm -hmm. that woman staying Mm -hmm. in the relationship. So normally a community can be a positive Mm -hmm. or can be a negative. So for example, for victims of family violence, most of the time the norm of the society is not to report Mm -hmm. and not to take intervention. So if that woman was, let's say, a religious leader, or mediation, mm. or it can have a negative uh, effect. Mm. You know, there is always a collision, collision of, with the perpetrators. So it's it, it can be harmful at times, but she, the, the only thing we can do is explain to her if she decides to go that way, mm-hmm. there is two options. It could be negative, it could be positive. And, but also, she lives in Australia, and there is a law that can protect her. So if she have that option, she can take that option, you know, maybe legally she can do something about it rather than, you know, going to her community.
1: There's lots of other policy issues that are really challenging, which might be, we advocated a lot about women on temporary visas. What options are there for people that are on those temporary visas? How can we put their cases forward so there is policy change?
2: Yeah, so if we for example for uh, holders of temporary visa mm-hmm. uh, for holders of special visa mm-hmm. three online visa that are being sponsored by their husband in mm-hmm. here there is a provision family violence provision so that that means that will allow them to still leave that relationship if there is a family violence mm-hmm. as long as the family the their relationship is genuine so that that's very good uh, news for many women mm-hmm. because as I, exp- I explain it in in previously visa abuse is one of the biggest mm-hmm. issue that will keep many women to mm-hmm. stay in that relationship because mm-hmm. they they most of the time perpetrators they will threaten her that mm-hmm. if she left he will cancel her visa mm-hmm. so most of them they are not aware that she can still live and get her PR so with the family violence provision it, mm-hmm. it's allowed mm-hmm. she can still. Uh, get her PR and access payments such as special benefit. But the the other the the only issue now is with, with student visa, yeah. we have many cases where uh, they are both come as a student visa mm-hmm. and they depend on each other financially. So if she left, she will be in limbo. You know, she doesn't have an income. She she will risk being homeless. So they will stay in the relationship because they, they because of the lack of other options. For example, I have a client now with that visa, student visa, and it takes a while even though we give her an information of mm-hmm. her option if she decides to stay here, if there is fear um, of going back home because, as I say, going back home where she left the relationship might not be safe for her. So she they can still seek legal advice mm-hmm. to stay here mm-hmm. and lodge an application for protection visa, but that takes very long time, unlike the yeah, family violence provision which will not allow them to have any payment until her visa issue is sorted. When I say long time it could be years. So for this woman sometimes their only option could be to go back to the relationship mm-hmm. because they would prefer mm-hmm. having a roof under you know on top of their head rather than stay on the streets so i would recommend for the government to you know look f- for other you know intervention for this mm-hmm. type of visa and maybe facilitate for them to have their bridging visa as soon as possible rather than wait for their student visa to expire and then move them yeah. move them to bridging visa so they can access even the resolution payment ssr payment so that could be an option for many of them because we, without income and those who have children, they won't be able to survive.
1: Yeah. I know there's there's only small one-off payments that they can access, yeah. but you can't live off that for you a long time. You can't live that
2: and there is no sustainability on living on yeah. that. So it should be, they should be given any other alternative rather than because even giving them a bridging visa can give them access to working Mm. hours because with student visa they have a limitation of how many hours they work so it's it's a big issue but if, if they move them to bridging visa as soon as possible that will give them at least a chance to work or access any other payment which they are eligible for.
1: Yeah I've often thought actually there's another part of that which is they're not eligible for childcare subsidy. Yes. And if they have children, that's almost impossible for them to, to even work to, work to yes. make the money. So if they could access that, I think it also would be a great policy change, yes. in my opinion. I think it's really a complex issue and it's really amazing the work that you do. And can you tell us how you know people can access you?
2: So I work for Australia Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights. So anyone can access our service, whether it's self-referral, Mm-hmm. Referred by services, or they can just call us on nine four eight one three triple zero, and we will be able to support them.
1: Thank you so much, Zara. And as I said, we have worked together before, and we're still working together. We even chatted about a client before we started recording this podcast at North Richmond Community Health. We can make referrals. We work collaboratively with services like the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights, which is a very long name. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we also work with other family violence services and we are able to support clients in a collaborative and multifaceted way here as well. And, you know, for those community members, we, know, we want to reassure you that everything is confidential and, you know, we're not going to talk about you outside of what you do. Tell yes. us in our four walls. I am the Family Violence Casework Counselor at North Richmond Community Health. You can come into the centre and um, ask at reception or you can call our main intake number which is nine four one eight nine eight zero zero. And don't forget it's the 16 Days of Activism coming up and it's really a good opportunity to put the gender-based violence issue to the forefront. We, we really want to make it an important topic and we want to support Victim survivors all the time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming, Zara. It was lovely to Thank see you. Thank
2: you, Hamza. Thank you.